0: Welcome to a brand new episode.
1: Mike Driscoll, The Python Show.
0: Hello, and welcome to The Python Show. I'm your host, Mike Driscoll. And today we have my friend Inez Montani from Explosion. She's the co-founder and CEO. Welcome to the show. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. Very excited.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. I see that uh, you also work on some other projects. I mean, you're super busy with being a co-founder and a CEO, but you also find time to be a developer on open source projects too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always been kind of important to what we're doing. And I think it's also it's kind of in the DNA of the company that both me and my co-founder Matt, we're both developers. We develop in Python. And um, I think especially if you're building developer tools, you need to actually develop and stay close to Mm -hmm. that and not lose the connection.
0: So how much do you think you still develop nowadays?
1: I mean, less than I used to. Like, I think it's more in kind of these sprints. Like sometimes I'm working on a thing and then I Mm. spent like a day or two programming and then there's some time where it's more, a lot more, I don't know, about the general vision and concept and product. Um, But uh, yeah, definitely. I also really enjoy doing front-end development. I've always Mm -hmm. done that. And it's also, I used to, yeah. Pretty much do all of that for the company when we were smaller, and then, for example, I had like some idea for a new interface for our annotation tool, and then I just built that and uh, spend a day on it. And yeah. Um, yeah,
0: that's cool. Well, let's take a step back so you can uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself and your your journey to programming.
1: Uh, yeah, so I've actually I've always programmed. Um I started as a teenager on the internet. I was more like an indoor <laughs> indoor kid. Um, I discovered that you could make websites in Microsoft Word and upload them to the internet. So that was like super mm-hmm. exciting. Um and uh yeah so i I really got more into that um building better websites really writing the code from scratch Mm -hmm. um redesigning my website uh once a month like that's that's kind of what you did being part of these online communities um and then i didn't i didn't actually do computer science so i don't have a classic tech background because at the time Mm. when i um had to figure out what i wanted to do with my life um i didn't really feel like a programmer like it's It's weird looking back because, you know, of course I was like, you know, writing code and doing these things, but I didn't really Mm -hmm. identify with the typical trope of like, you know, the boys from like, um, you know, school who were into computers. (laughs) Yeah. So I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, I think, I think a lot of women in tech kind of share that uh, story, but yeah, so I did communication science, media science and linguistics. Um, I was always into like language as well. And, um, yeah, so in what I'm doing now, I basically found, like, an area that combines everything I'm passionate about. So, programming, working with language, building things that I use for interesting products. And, um, yeah, actually, by coincidence, I met my co-founder, Matt, who was also the original author of our library, Spacey, in Berlin. We started talking about it, and then we realized, wow, there's actually, like, a lot to do or to innovate. Like, that was back in the day, like, 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't much even much software around for people to use commercially or really use in production. Like a lot of it was very research-based and that also reflected in the code and the presentation, Um, like those were academic projects. And so we're like, oh, let's just, like we we should work on this together and build something that's really designed to be used in real projects, in real products. Um, And yeah, so that's how it all started. I started working on Spacey um, as a developer as well. And then shortly after we founded a company around it.
0: That 's really cool how do, i'm just curious how do you found a company around an open source software package
1: yeah i mean that's that 's a really good question I mean I think that 's also something that 's uh, discussed a lot and there are different mm-hmm. there are different avenues here, so one that some companies do is having more like an open core model or selling support, but we always mm-hmm. saw that as like a bit problematic because often, if you do support um, as your main business model, the incentives are a bit misaligned. Like, if your doc, like, we want yeah. our docs to be really good. It should be easy to get started, easy to be productive. And then, if your docs are too good, like, our goal was always, hey, if you know, our software is good, people shouldn't need us to use it. And there's always stuff on top. Like, we still sometimes do engagements with companies to help them use it even more eff- effectively. But um, we're like, well, that's yeah. support. Um, is not really the way to go, and the, the pro- plan was always to really, you know, have a business around it. And so we thought, hey, if we build something that's useful and open source, we can show people, hey, we can build great software, and there are always products that we can offer on top of mm-hmm. that. And especially in machine learning, like what we saw is a lot of it is not just the code. Now you have code plus data, and uh, the data is actually what's very specific and very valuable. So that's why um, our first product that we started developing um, very early on was an annotation tool that was also scriptable in Python as a developer tool. And that just helped people train their models more effectively, evaluate them, work with mm-hmm. their data, annotate. And so that's, that's kind of how our product Prodigy came about.
0: Well, it sounds to me like you guys were kind of ahead of the curve in a way, because you guys <laughs> are working on Prodigy and Spacey and now, now LLMs are like really big now. Do you, do um, you think- yeah.
1: I mean, it's, Like early on, it's definitely true. We were like kind of early. um, Also with the annotation tool or something around data, we were quite early Mm -hmm. to market. Like back then, a lot of companies still had this idea of like, ah, yeah, data, you just outsource that to some cheap click workers. It's just um, boring work. And of course, that Mm -hmm. wasn't true. Like the quality matters. It needs to be consistent and it needs to be really part of the development process. You need to develop your data like Mm -hmm. you need to develop your code. And that was definitely something that wasn't intuitive when we started. Now that's a lot um you know more obvious to companies that you have to do it in-house and also this idea that like no crowd work isn't the future um Mm -hmm. that's also become a lot more clear now with like large language models that basically kind of replace that need entirely for having like third-party um you know annotators work on like your specific problem like you don't need millions of examples anymore you need a really small set but that needs to be good
0: that makes sense to me. Um, I've seen that uh, you've been uh, going around the Python conference circuit this year. How, how, how yes. have you found that? Have you liked that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like really exciting again to be at real conferences. Like we really missed that over COVID. So this mm-hmm. is like the first full year where we've been really at it again. We also did our first conference booth. Um, first ever at PyData amsterdam which was amazing like having a little booth with like we have nice stickers nice swag we got to demo mm-hmm. our new product prodigy teams talk to users customers um yeah it's it's great i love the you know python community and yeah conferences are great and still not done still have more coming up this year
0: mm-hmm. yeah i saw you were speaking at some of those conferences how did that go
1: um, yeah, really, really good. Like I did um, this year, of course, LLMs are like, uh, you know, a really hot topic mm-hmm. that people want to know about. So um, I had like my talk, or that was also my Python keynote on like how that fits into a practical workflow and also, you know, taking away a bit of the hype and really looking at like practical use cases. What does that mean? And it was actually, it was really nice to also talk to people who are really working at different companies, solving these problems and also really seeing our vision, resonate with people because you know i feel like they're kind of they if you just scroll through your linkedin feed uh people might get the idea that like oh nlp is practically solved and mm-hmm. um that's of course uh very far from the truth yeah. um so there's also there are a lot of people really working hard um on solving specific company problems and that's that's always been the case and that will also be the case in the future
0: yeah so i know EuroPython python will upload their, their videos does pydata do that too
1: um i think so yeah yep everything was recorded so um okay. yep.
0: I'll can, yeah. yeah i'll, I'll try to include
1: yeah for your show notes i can definitely send you some links i think your python is now online um and yeah i think um some other conferences are following
0: okay i'll do that so other people can check out your amazing content um. So we talked about Spacey a little bit and Prodigy. What are What are your favorite Python packages that aren't ones that you're that you've helped create?
1: Yeah. So this is. I also get that asked sometimes, and I often feel feel a bit bad because I don't want to like I don't know single out specific packages or forget forget something. I mean, they're like they're, there's just so many great um things happening. Um. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of kind of little ecosystems that have developed. So um. Yeah. We really like we always like Pydantic. Uh. That's something. Um, we work with a lot in our libraries and it's also I think it's also nice to yeah l- give a shout out to like a package. It often actually works behind the scenes rather mm-hmm. than um, you know being um, you know the thing people necessarily import. Um, so there's a lot of features that we've built for uh, Prodigy and also for Spacey especially that are powered by pydantic under the hood like the configuration cool. system where you can write like Python uh, config parser style config files that have all your settings for your models every every possible configuration you have that in one format you validate it you can auto update it like there's a lot of um kind of data parsing and validation features there that are super yeah make the feature super useful so that's one um i've also been really intrigued by the whole um rich ecosystem um i've always you know have a had a soft spot for like making things look Nice, both on mm-hmm. the web and in the terminal. Um, I have, yeah. haven't been able to play with it as much um, as I wanted, but um, yeah there's some exciting stuff happening.
0: Uh, you mentioned the terminal. Have you che- checked out the textural project yet? yes, yeah
1: that's that's also really cool. actually my uh, yeah, my colleague uh, Vincent, um, who you might also know from the Python community, um, he um, had a mini project. we could probably also put that in the show notes, rebuilding the prodigy UI in the terminal. So, oh, cool. you know, Prodigy has like, you know, it has the sidebar, it has like the annotation interface where you mm-hmm. look at the task and then you can interact with that. And like, um, at least for classifying things, it looks exactly like it does in the browser. Um started right. as a fun experiment, but super cool and shows what's possible.
0: Yeah, that sounds cool. I'd, I'd love to have some links on that. Yeah. So I'm curious, how did your company Explosion uh, come about? What's the origin story? you mind yes so
1: so it was really yeah just um meeting matt working together and then really seeing that like hey there is like there is this um potential and there's also spacey had just been released and um Mm -hmm. had taken off um people were interested in that and seeing like hey there's a there's more we can do here um so you know let's really focus on that full time and in the beginning we were actually quite small i mean we're still very small um, about twenty mm-hmm. people. But um in the beginning for a long time it was really just us and then slowly one, two, three more people. Um and, mm-hmm. and we also started out profitable because we saw like, hey, it's actually also it's really important to start out early running a business and seeing like, hey, yeah. does that idea we have work? Can we convert users from our open source library who like our stuff into paying customers? Is there something sustainable there? And um mm-hmm. for us it was always super important to do that early and not um you know delay that so that's also why yeah we actually ended up we raised money for our SaaS product uh that's mm-hmm. just in currently in beta um but we actually did that uh pretty late um in the life oh. of the company
0: that's awesome i, I love hearing success stories with, with python <laughs> yeah um why don't you tell us a little bit more about what all you do with Spacey? like what what are like some use cases that are common for it
1: yeah, so the idea that, as I said before, the concept of Spacey has always been to really be a library that can be used in production. So it needs to be fast, it needs to be extensible, it needs to have a good like, um, user experience, developer mm-hmm. experience around it. And it's really built on um, the idea of, you know, you want to process text, you have like text in any, pretty much any industry that comes in and you want to um, extract structured information about that text, um, whether it's what the text okay. is about, um, things like pe- person names, company names, dates uh, that are talked about, how things are related to each other, um, how um, you know, like uh, what's a verb, who does what, um, that sort mm-hmm. of thing, um, you know, becomes uh, really important if you really want to under- like, understand text better. And so the way Spacey approaches this is. Um, The idea that you pretty much always want to have a step, uh, um, a series of steps that you perform or like a pipeline of different components Mm -hmm. that you apply to extract different things. They can interact with each other Um, and you can also mix and match techniques. So there's um, we do have uh, neural network models that are like um, good at um, solving the task and that you can train. But uh, for a lot of cases, you might want to use some rules or implement, um, you know, some custom matching that's basically also provides uh, really good support for um, feed in uh, some internal database. You have um, link mentions of company names to some entry in a knowledge base. And all of these are components you can basically assemble to a pipeline. Mm-hmm. So they're like and there are lots of different use cases. Um, from all kinds of industries. I mean, if you think about it, like everyone has text, um, you know, so you might have like financial use cases. We have use cases in a medical field, extracting like uh, drug names and mentions from text. There's also a lot of stuff that like is incredibly valuable within companies and often, um, you know, doesn't get much attention because it's not the like super hot uh, machine learning stuff, but there's so much like in terms of internal company reports, um making processes more effective um having you know from make having tech support work better to um you know better uh do work or help analysts that were previously performing work manually so um, those are all uh use cases that we have so there's kind of there's pretty much no industry that's not working with nlp um these days and for prodigy one important or one important thing in general of our stack is that we've always um, focus on data privacy and allowing users mm-hmm. to run things on their own hardware because, yeah, we think that's important. There's kind of no benefit in making people upload stuff to us if they don't have to. That also means that we have a really strong foothold in these areas and industries where that's really important, um, like finance, healthcare. Um, there are a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of these use cases really require mm-hmm. teams to build something in-house.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining that, because when I hear natural language processing, I I don't think machine learning for some reason. Uh, the, those words just don't gel with me for machine learning. So oh, it's really? To, it's good to hear you. Yeah, for me, I'm like... like what,
1: what, what do you think of?
0: I'm like, is that something where you take somebody's voice and you turn it into text and then you analyze the text? You know, to me, that's, that's what I think of. I don't know why, but I hear oh, that word and i
1: I yeah, voiced a text sort of or something
0: like that. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it's also, it also doesn't help that sometimes, you know, the boundaries are not very clear. Like also a lot of the new generative stuff that's happening that, um, you know, everyone sees from like, uh, you know, question answering, um, summarization, basically, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like chat GPT, that also kind of falls under the same umbrella, although the work day is quite different. So actually what I think is a very important distinction in NLP is, um, the generative capabilities and predictive tasks where you get so generative you get text in and then you generate some output and for Mm -hmm. predictive tasks you get text in and you generate some structured information that's often also machine readable where like basically in a lot of use cases and i would say actually the majority of nlp and production today are components that are part of a larger system Um, Mm -hmm. where like the output is then used in a database or in some other process. And um, that's also, that that stuff is very important. And that's actually also something where, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, room for improvement also with these larger and larger language models um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, they they add a lot of great capabilities for generating stuff. But there's a whole other level of how do we take that, um, you know, generated output and clearly all that knowledge that's in there and put it into the best possible structured format.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I keep seeing people talking about the smaller ones being more valuable since they'll be able to run those on like cell phones and tablets, yes. whereas the giant ones are really valuable for, you know, having a, having like a web app on top of it because they can run it on, on AWS or whatever. Yeah, and
1: also, I mean, I think there's also the difference of, um, well, do you want to run it, um, you know, what do you want to run in production? Do you want to use it during development? Um, And um, yeah, they're like definitely advantages of the large models, but they also, they know very little about the very specific thing you want to do, but a lot about Mm -hmm. the language. And then there are a lot of interesting ways of, you know, taking basically the best that you get from these really large models. And putting that into something you're building that's a lot smaller and more specific because um, mm-hmm. you know one th- the great thing about chat gpt is that hey it doesn't know what you want to ask it and it can still produce like a really good response that's like really exciting but yeah. if you often use cases are quite specific like if you're working in a company you know this is what we want to analyze here are some mm-hmm. constraints and being able to constrain um your system like that is really useful and then um yeah also that's why i see it's it moving like models they don't have to be this large for like everything mm-hmm. and i think there's there's a lot of potential there for the future
0: yeah i agree so what are some of the most notable um applications that you've seen that were created using you know spacey or Prodigy?
1: yeah i mean it depends on how you how you define uh, notable so one one project i really like um is uh, <laughs> one that actually we can have a link to that as well it's we did a case study on that it's um the oh, Guardian. Really? They used um, Spacey and Prodigy internally um, for a lot of interesting projects. And also what I liked about that one is that it really also shows the importance of, um, you know, developing good guidelines for what you want to annotate, how you want to structure the project. Mm-hmm. And I, they did that, in, they did that um, very well because they all have, they had like a journalism background and were used to like thinking about language. A lot of that actually matters. And you have to think about edge cases. How do you define what a quote is? or some of these even more basic things like everyone will say everyone will know what a person name is but if you want um this in a structured format like should the title like doctor be included in the name they're like you immediately end up in all of these uh rabbit holes and um i think um the like th- that was some of the most extensive work not only doing training a model or building a project but also really thinking about like how do we handle the data and ensure consistency? Um, and they did some cool customizations. Uh, so that's a project I really like. And then there's some other ones that um, are no- notable. Like I also want to shout these out because they're notable in the sense that they provide like an insane amount of value, but are like mm-hmm. internal and kind of unsexy. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's like, it's, um, you know, for example, we just, there was a project, um, recently with a financial services company where they're analyzing, um, you know, internal notes about trading and there's like, um, you know, a lot of these things are incredibly valuable in the sense Mm -hmm. of a company or their projects where, hey, getting the model uh, to run faster and more efficient um, can really save um, millions of of dollars. And that's, that's also stuff I find cool. Like, yeah. um, you know, a team or a team at a large company, they were a small team. They were able, using Spacey, they were able to get started with just a small team, ship 30 models to production, use Prodigy to constantly improve them. And, um, you know, yeah, I met someone from the team. They told me, hey, this has saved us like tons of money and made our life so much easier. And that's that's also the project I really like.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That makes sense to me I, those are those would make me proud of my project or proud of my package so <laughs> um how do you uh, see all these uh how do you think the new all these new llms will affect uh, your company explosion or will they affect that yeah. in any way
1: yeah i mean it's definitely you know it's very um exciting i think there are kind of two levels of it one is that um actually Um, getting into programming and getting into development has been like it's easier than ever before like with models that can actually help you program and um, you know assisting assisted coding um, that has actually allowed a lot of people who previously weren't really able um, you know to pick up tools and do things themselves to um, really get productive very quickly so we actually see like hey there are a lot more people who have a problem that previously maybe they wouldn't even have, um, you know, focused on or, um, you know, solved in their team because they didn't really know how to and they can now use something like CoPilot or any of the other tools um, to help Mm -hmm. them program and um, all of these, a lot of, because Spacey has been around for so long and a lot of... um, yeah a lot of these uh tools are actually very good at writing spacey code we also finally paid paid off that we we put a lot of work into um ensuring backwards compatibility keeping our APIs mm-hmm. stable that's like was a significant effort and of course not because we had that in mind but um <laughs> yeah. it now shows um like yeah ChatGPT gpt is great at um writing spacey code and you can ask it like hey write me some rules for um, extracting us addresses and it can do that so it's kind of a meta level instead of you don't need chat mm-hmm. to extract us addresses but you can make it give you code to do that so that's oh, nice. like yeah that's like the one side that actually hey it allows more people to get into um that stuff and then on the other side of course we also see a lot of new capabilities um that we can use and integrate so one is um, you know, of course, the generative, um, capabilities, it's like something is, that's finally works and it's much easier to add. Like if you want to, you know, summarize a text. So generation was never really part, that's kind of out of scope for spacey, but still there might be, you know, a use case where, Hey, you want to take a long text, summarize it and then extract structured information, uh, from it in some way or predict something. So, um, that's very cool. And then of course, um, using these models to help. Um, bootstrap annotation and training of like smaller and distilled models like because before a big problem it was that like even if you you know you're ready to um you know be hands st- hand, um, hands on and like work on this, you kind of needed at least um yeah forty hours of annotation in order to have enough data to train um at least a decent model or, or a shit model that you could improve like the yeah problem with machine learning is like oh you start and. It, there's kind of nothing and then there's this long on-ramp where like nothing happens Mm -hmm. and your model isn't learning you don't know what's going on and you can't tell well do i not have enough data or do i have a bug in my code um (laughs) this sort of calls this this is like a huge um problem yeah yeah and that is something that really these large models are good at like there's absolutely you know you don't really don't need to crowdsource any annotations you can you know use Um, a large language model at development time to help you create um, labeled examples for your specific problem. So you can really take this very general knowledge, um, then correct it because, you know, there might still be edge cases or stuff specific in your data that you want to look at. And then very, very quickly, you can create um, a smaller, very specific data set. And then using that, you can train a model that's much smaller, like, you know, maybe under a gigabyte, super fast, run, runs entirely on your own hardware that can be a part of the system. And um, having this sort of end-to-end workflow, that's that's something, yeah, that's also we find really exciting and that um, we'll continue working on in the future. Like, I really you know, imagine like, hey, you can, you just pr- look at your data, create some examples, get like a baseline. Here's how GPT-4 does out of the box. And then as you create more data, um -hmm. you'll see hey i've now beaten that accuracy because that's definitely possible like there's um um you know yes that it's very impressive what you get out of the box but we're really interested in like oh if that's what we can do how can we get further like we can go Mm -hmm. how can we get better faster more efficient private um yeah
0: yeah that makes sense I mean, a lot of that's above my head, frankly. But I, I, I think, I think machine learning is super cool and really interesting. And you brought up that sometimes you start the machine learning process and you don't know what's happening. Has, has that changed over the years, where actually that gives you some feedback and says, "Hey, I'm stuck, I'm broken, or anything," or is it just a I black mean, box? I mean,
1: depends. Like, it's you know, normally you know what you do. Like, you train, you get a number at the end, and if that, that number isn't going up, like, yes, there are some, you know, you, just like with debugging, you can learn um, what to do. I mean, you get some cryptic, uh, you know, just like in Python, you get some error. Yeah. And like, when you first see that, you're like super confused. Um, mm-hmm. And if you've seen this a couple of times, you're like, ah, I know um, what's wrong there. Like actually, yeah, just today I helped debug a thing where, you know, this this error of like, oh, um, indices need to be integers. This can be incredibly mm. confusing if you don't know that, ah, what happened here is that my code is trying to access a dict that's a string. Um, mm. That sort of, this sort of thing. Like I remember, like first time I encountered this, it was like, like it took me a long time. Now I'm like, ah, that must be it. And it's just, it's the same yeah. thing. You kind of know what to look at, but there's still, you know, there's still this long road where kind of, you know, nothing really happens. And if you, you know, if you have mm. good intuition, yes you can do that. But if you're just getting started, like example, if you're saying like, Hey, you kind of, you know, you haven't done this much and like, you want to, you have a great Mm -hmm. idea and want to train something. um, There were definitely a lot of roadblocks that would have made it difficult. And I think now, (laughs) if you're trying to do this now, um, they are like, you know, you can at least get a system that you can benchmark against. Like you can start Mm -hmm. out, define your problem, see, and get like sort of a baseline and then you can go from there and make it better.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, I think my last question for you was uh, what, what currently excites you about the machine learning space right now?
1: Um, yeah, actually, I feel like <laughs> I
0: just I know I have answered covered... this.
1: Yeah, Is there anything, always...
0: anything that you haven't covered yet that excites yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> no, no,
1: it, just, it just kind of came up like I'm excited about many things and then I, I just yeah. talk about stuff I'm excited about, and um, I mean, I definitely think like, yeah, the, what I just talked about, like, hey, how can we. Also, how can mm-hmm. we, you know, think past just like, um, you know, with chatbot or like chatbot or like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, a dialogue system? That's what most people kind of have in mind when they think of large language models. And mm-hmm. um, what we kind of want to do is go beyond that. Like, what else can we use this for? Even can we use this on a more meta level? Like, um, you know, to help, um, you know, use use a large language model to help people. Um, be better at applying best practices when they're building machine learning Mm -hmm. systems like there's um, there's really a lot there that um, yeah we haven't uh, we haven't really had the time to explore yet Um, so that's that's definitely something we want to do and yeah also it's really nice to see like or in general there's always been like a big ecosystem and um, a lot happening in open source which is nice because we can integrate with that we can kind of collaborate and work together there's also a lot of movement on like open source models um you know making things um you know more like available um and i do think definitely you know what we see is like yeah open source is still going to uh going to win and become um or be or be important like um it's yeah. not all happening behind closed apis there's like there's an advantage to working with models via an API um, and, you know, you can have the scaling effects. There's like um, a lot there, but there's also, you know, a whole other area of things that people want to do. And also it doesn't, you know, things people want to do and solve aren't just magically changing, like even before computers, companies, um, Mm -hmm. and people have solved certain problems and um, have done certain things and computers have made this easier. AI is making this easier. but yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot happening. It's exciting. Um, but I it think is. at the same time, it's also important to like, um, you know, take a step back and sort of not get too distracted. I like, um, you know, a feed of like every day something comes, new comes out. Um, it can be very overwhelming. That's also something I often hear from other developers. Um, like, how
0: do you stay up to date? How do you,
1: how yes. do you know what's, <laughs> what to pay attention to? And that, that is genuinely hard.
0: It is. It's really hard because you're like, right now AI is hot, but you know, five years ago the web web world was the hot place to be. Everyone wanted to program websites or, yeah, or the, or for cell
1: Yeah, for a while crypto was hot, and then yeah, <laughs> that kind of, crypto. Yeah. Yep. Well, <laughs> so there was all like there was this kind of audience i remember when i started going to like meetups or ai like small conferences there was like there was a lot of this like hypey crowd of people who didn't really you know know anything about programming or, but were all like oh ai um, and also you know those also, yeah um, and some of these people also weren't very um, pleasant to interact with um, and then then there was the whole crypto thing and then these people kind of moved on to blockchain um, mm-hmm. And I guess now they're back in AI and um with large language models. But um I don't know. It's also, you know, we just we just we program and do work and build build tools. That's kind of that's kind of what mm-hmm. we focused on.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we've reached the end of my questions. So I, I just want to thank you so much for being on my show today, Inez. And yeah, I, re- I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was very, very fun.
0: Yeah, it was good to have you. I hope, I hope we can find some time to hang out again. You can tell me more about LLMs and increase my knowledge yeah. on machine learning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And yeah, I'll, I'll send you the links for the show notes so that the listeners um, can, you know, check on all of the things I mentioned.
0: Yeah, great. That's awesome. Well, thank you to you all for who, all, all my listeners who are listening in. And I'll have lots of fun notes for you guys to go check out and links to, to read up on what uh, she's been up to. Thanks again. Make sure to leave a review. This makes our day and fuels future episodes.
1: Mike Driscoll, The Python Show.